0: Welcome back to another episode of Politics and Bullshit. Uh, it is Wednesday, right? Wednesday, June 19th. I'm still here in the beautiful, slightly gloomy San Francisco, where it's a, a sweltering 60-some degrees. I always forget um, like, how hot it is, actually, like everywhere else in the state and in the country. I'm uh, I'm, I'm jealous. If you're somewhere where it's really hot, I'm I'm jealous. <laughs> Even if it's like obnoxiously hot, I just man, we had a heat wave like a couple of weeks ago that was really nice. I I actually can survive in the heat pretty damn well. In fact, I thrive in it. But I know a lot of my uh, friends and workers and uh, they were all suffering. But come back heat, come back. So um, today's episode is going to be essentially a catch up episode of stuff that happened in previous episodes. I was thinking about how, you know, the news just comes so it's it's just so fast and and it just it just keeps rolling, right? It's so hard to actually go back and discuss like what happened a month ago. Like what was that one thing that happened last month that was really interesting? You know, that kind of thing. So I basically listened to the two or three previous of my podcast episodes, and I picked um, some main topics. Um, so I'm to just kind of go over those um, and maybe discuss one or two things that are kind of happening right now that are worth uh, discussing. Last week or this week and last week, some pretty interesting things happened, but nothing too um, crazy other than the couple things I'll be talking about. So any, uh, anywho, without further ado, I'm going to jump into that right now. All right, so uh, this just came out today. Um, this is something that's been going on for a while, and that we knew was going to come up to the Supreme Court. This is uh, specifically about the uh, twenty twenty Census and the question of citizenship being put on there. So everything was going along according to plan in terms of um, this case being sent to the Supreme Court. You know, of course, you know um, more liberal groups challenged it. You know, for various reasons. Uh, not getting into the reasons. Um, so, you know, it's heading its way to the Supreme Court for the, for them to decide. But, uh, some guy who was like, you know, the architect of the whole citizen question, like he, he died, right? He died somehow. I don't remember how he died, but, um, his like daughter or stepdaughter or something, you know, was, got into his computer, you know, for who knows what, uh, but basically, found like these like secret conversations and documents about uh, about them adding the census question on the 2020 census for pure political reasons, which is illegal. So, with this new evidence being put into the uh, liberal side's case, uh, this interesting things happening. So, this is according to Washington Post. Uh, A federal judge wants to reconsider census question. A federal district judge in Maryland on Wednesday ruled that new evidence in the case of a census citizen question merits additional consideration, opening the door for plaintiffs' lawyers to request that an appeals court return the case to him. It goes on to say, uh, Civil rights groups who had sued the government over its addition of a citizenship question to the 2020 census had asked U.S. District Court Judge George Hazel to reconsider his ruling on whether the government was guilty of conspiracy and intent to discriminate after new evidence in the case emerged last month. Uh, It goes on to say, files discovered on hard drives of a deceased Republican redistricting strategist suggested he had communicated with the Trump administration about how to get the citizenship question onto the survey and that the strategists had determined that adding the question would create an electoral advantage for Republicans and non-Hispanic whites. So that's a no-no. You know, the, there's there's are certain areas within the government that should be, and most definitely, should maintain a non-political stance. And um, this is definitely one of those. Because um, redistrict, redistricting people uh, districts and uh you know how much representation you have in the house is is all based upon uh the uh the census question so once this evidence came out it was clear that this was one a political politically motivated um thing which of course you know i say all the time everything's politically motivated so you know that's stupid but but it's like it's like openly right there proven like okay they're not even trying to hide it we we we, we know now um and two, um, it, it is designed to specifically hurt more um, larger, kind of more democratic cities. It's obviously because there's a lot more of a, uh, of an immigration population in bigger cities. So I thought that was really interesting. I will uh, keep up with that. So moving on. So Iran has been in the uh, the news recently. Um, I don't know if you guys remember or heard... Last week or so, there was some sort of uh, oil tanker in uh, some sort of body of water outside of Iran, or close to Iran, I guess. Uh, This was a Japanese-owned oil tanker, I believe. Uh, So it got attacked. I guess there was a mine or something that exploded on there. I believe everyone was rescued. So um, I'm not really sure if anyone's killed didn't hear anything about that. But, of course, uh, with who Trump has in his administration, kind of immediately when that happened, there began this very soft drumbeat of war kind of going on, right? Uh, you know, threats being said. Uh, you know, of course, Iran saying, no, that wasn't us. Uh, and there there was some sketchy, like, video footage of something going on. The, uh, the Japanese owner of the oil tanker came out, saying that the idea of him being attacked by you know, the Iranian government seems pretty extreme that these may, may have not been you know connected to the Iranian government. But uh, again, you know, me being kind of like a you know, I like the plot, I like to think, I like to think about okay, why is this coming up and then why are our White House officials saying these things? And we obviously know who uh, Trump has around him. Bolton, for example, who hates Iran and just wants nothing but war with them and, you know, is quoted saying that he just basically just wants to, like, bomb the hell out of them. Um, So it it kind of worried me a little bit, especially because, you know, Trump is in a very sticky situation right now where he's running for election. His poll numbers are down, even though there's a really good economy. Uh, He has shown to be down against, you know, Biden in various head-to-head matchups in various states and in his own internal polling. So, you know, I was thinking that, oh, great, here we go. So Trump is going to use this as, a, as an example or as an excuse to, to go to, to war, you know, in some shape, way or form. Uh, but the opposite's kind of happening. Uh, this is from the Daily Beast. Uh, Trump tells aides to tone down tough talk on Iran. And I quote, uh, two senior officials and three other individuals with direct knowledge of the administration's strategy in the region tell the Daily Beast that the president has asked officials to tone down their heated rhetoric on Iran despite the attacks on tanker ships in the Gulf of Oman that Washington has blamed on Tehran. The president has previously said he is less hawkish on Iran than some of his advisors and this week in a Time magazine interview said the attacks on the tankers were very minor. So that's really interesting. Um, I hope that's the way it stays. Uh, You know, diplomacy with Iran has been shot, especially under the Trump administration. Uh, So any sort of escalation, in my opinion, is something that we brought upon Iran, right? So we pulled out of that, that uh, uranium enrichment deal, or whatever we had through the EU with the United States with Iran, and, and put them on like a strict, kind of uh, you know, a strict, investigated, thoroughly uh, plan so that you know they could still have uranium enrichment, but it wasn't an amount that could ever lead to some sort of like an atomic weapon, right? So then Trump comes into office, rips that apart. And then Iran's like, okay, well, you didn't back up your end of the deal, so now we're going to keep doing what we want to do. I mean, do I think Iran or someone in Iran and their government would like to cause harm to the United States? Sure. Do I think their people do? Absolutely not. Do I think their people have a right to uh, nuclear power, which was like a big kind of issue for them, especially with uh, not having uranium. Of course they deserve the power of their country. Uh, Trump then slapped on all these extreme uh, you know, um, tariffs and uh, sanctions on Iran. So they're hurting economically now because they can't produce as much oil as they used to. So, you know, this is perhaps their way of kind of you know, having a a temper tantrum at our president having a temper tantrum. So it's really a self creating issue, right? Like that's, that's what Trump's all about. He's about maintaining and creating these self inflicted issues that he can use then as, as a way to either politically up his standing or, or hold on to some sort of issue that you know, will drive his base. So yeah, that's what's going on with Iran right now. Pretty fun stuff. So those are kind of like the two major things that happened um, that I wanted to uh, discuss. Um, so the catch-up part of this episode, um, I'm going to go over these main topics. I'm going to go over um, Elizabeth Warren. She's on the rise. i want to go over the uh, continuing constitutional crisis that we're going through. I'm going to catch us up on the tariffs that, uh, you know, between the United States and China and then um, I think those are the three major topics that I, I just wanted to kind of, uh, you know, go over. So let's get into that. So if you've been keeping up with uh, the Democratic 2020 candidate field, uh, pretty big field, right? But, the, you know, the top six is pretty much kind of like sandstone right now, right? You have, you have Biden on the top, who's getting around like 30 plus some percent of, of uh, polling uh, approval from the uh, Democrat base. And then now, all of a sudden, you have Elizabeth Warren in second. Uh, She, like, you know, if you go back, like, two, three months, I mean, she was coming in, you know, like, fifth, sixth, you know, it was like Biden, Bernie, Beto, Pete, you know, and then it was kind of like Kamala, Booker, and then there was like Warren, she was kind of around there, Uh, but throughout these past couple months, she's been on it uh, specifically with policy. There's a, you know, the whole, she's kind of got her whole, her her own slogan now, like, Oh, I've got a plan for that. You know, she's been just on it. The, the second something comes out, she's, she, she has a, at least well thought out plan, uh, for whatever that issue is. And I think that's been catching on with a lot of voters. So she's risen to the, the second, uh, spot as of now, actually, I think this was like a poll yesterday from, um, Monmouth, maybe. So Biden's still pretty, pretty set around the 30s. Uh, Warren just beat out Bernie by like 1%. So, you know, Biden's still mid 30s. Warren's like 15%, Bernie 14%. So uh, she's had a sharp increase in popularity. Uh, I want to quote Amy Walter on this, um, an amazing uh, reporter and journalist. Um, So, this is about kind of uh, Elizabeth Warren's rise. So Amy Walter notes the consensus explanation for Senator Elizabeth Warren's rise from the ashes is that her embrace of policy and substance and her grinded out attitude is paying off. But she notes there are several other reasons uh, for her rehabilitation. Uh, and some little bullet points here. Uh, her biggest liability—the controversy—controversy over her decision to take a DNA test to prove her Cherokee ancestry—is no longer part of the daily political conversation. I don't think that's even really a controversy. I mean, I, I do understand um, the uh, Native Americans' perspective on this. You know, they're they're uh, kind of always being used as like a as like a, a way to 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 prove their you know uh they're indigenous to the country but never having really gone through anything like your actual you know native who who's you know born and raised you know in these lands where their ancestors lived or or wherever their you know land may be that was you know taken over by you know the white man um so I totally get their perspective but at the end of the day you know it was a it was a stupid thing and it's going to blow over so this is not anything that would ever stick uh but anyways to uh to continue Uh, Another bullet point. Uh, The more that Sanders, Bernie Sanders, leans into democratic socialism, the more Warren is able to position herself as a more palatable disruptor, one who wants to expand government, but who also calls herself a capitalist. And finally, in a party where more than 55 percent of the electorate is female, it was only a matter of time before a woman broke into the top tier. This is kind of why I'm pretty much pro Warren at this point. Uh, and I think I will maintain that um, throughout the primaries, uh, is because I think she does have the best case to win. Uh, Biden certainly has the kind of moderate Democrat field locked in. Like they they love Biden. He's a recognizable name. He will say things that they are comforted by, uh, and he is a trustworthy name. You know, he is someone that isn't too far left, too far right. So, you know, he's he's a, he's a comfortable Goldilocks kind of candidate, right? Um, however, I don't think Biden is going to have the enthusiasm that is needed in a presidential race to win. I don't think he has much impact in minority groups. I don't think he has much impact in the women's vote. I don't think he has much impact in uh, people who are just kind of tired of the mediocrity, right? So that's why I think Warren has, a, you know, she has a case. If she can wiggle in, if she can maintain uh, a huge chunk of the, the, the women vote, if she can either uh, discuss issues in a way that resonates with minorities or even perhaps... Uh, However, her potential, you know, vice president pick could be. I'm not sure if that's something she would leak early or anything like that. But if she can kind of maintain uh, minorities and women, she's already stolen—not stolen, but you know, she's she's tapped into Bernie's base. I think she could pull out more voters. I think she's got more of an enthusiasm, uh, kind of a, a campaign. Whereas Biden is just very kind of, you know, play it safe. And, you know, it's, it's, it's essentially Hillary, you know, 2016. So Warren, on the rise. Woohoo. Let me know what you think about Warren. I, I love to discuss, uh, you know, this uh, not only just for myself and to, to better articulate, you know, reasons why I like Warren, but I'd also be interested in why other people either do like her or do not like her. All right, so I want to now discuss where we are with the whole uh you know this this constitutional crisis that we're in about congressional oversight on on the the presidency so i think where i last discussed where we were with this is that there were a couple court cases going on where a couple of committees um, in congress requested information in regards to trump and you know trump denied that. So they, they took that to court, right? And they basically, they won, they won these two court trials, basically to get information, um, about Trump's financials specifically, uh, with, uh, Deutsche Bank. And then, well, I think another kid's like accounting firm or something like that. So two separate, uh, court cases here. And, Basically, the courts expedited it because they knew that this was something that was stupid that the uh, Trump administration was doing. And they basically ruled in Congress's favor because this falls in line with uh, Congress's ability to have oversight. That is part of the Constitution. This is the whole point of Congress, right? So, um, you know, I think a lot of people weren't sure how that was going to go. But the fact that it cleared up so quickly and moved on was very uh, good news for the Democratic base or the uh, committees there. So where we are right now is we're essentially, I believe, Trump administration appealed. So it's going to go through like a, another appeal process, which I think, as I read, will be discussed in court in July sometime. And that's his only I think this is last chance of appealing. So up to, until now, things are kind of, you know, going to the courts. So, you know, a little slowdown, But of course, this talk of impeachment is uh Percolating around you know the democratic base, right? Uh, there's a lot of loud voices clamoring for Nancy Pelosi to uh to start impeachment inquiries, right? So Pelosi's been very reluctant to to begin that. Her reasoning of that is because uh she is quoted saying that you know, if we're gonna go for impeachment, we need to have everything locked in 100 percent you know that has been tested and tried we're not going to go in this knowing that it's obviously going to go to the senate where trump will be exonerated she is looking for a way to get more information out there to the masses to have an effect on opinion from the people right now uh i mean the democratic base majority is, is all for beginning the impeachment inquiries I and mean, of course they are i mean we, we hate trump <laughs> you know we, we just want him gone right but in terms of the overall american public those who vote we're really we're not at a point where an overwhelming majority want impeachment i don't even think like half the country if you include everyone is willing to go down that road yet it's close and the numbers keep going up but but this is Pelosi's game is that she wants basically information from, you know, Trump's finances, his history from the Mueller report. She she wants that information out to the public. And so, you know, Attorney General Barr is, is trying to deny all of that because he knows it's a losing battle once the public kind of shifts against you, because once the public shifts against you, that means all eyes are on the Senate. Right. It it, it if if we were to begin impeachment proceedings now and say it was expedited, say like, you know what, they, they did this for like six months, it's not even the end of the year yet, or it's about to be the end of the year, it gets sent to the Senate, and the Senate sees, hey, you know what, we're safe. We're not going to lose our jobs if we if we, you know, exonerate Trump. That's what they're going to do. And then, once you do that, once you do that, you basically... You you have played your whole deck. You've played all of your cards in your, that you have in your hand. You, you 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 can't really do anything after that. The only thing you can do is just you, you hope that he gets voted out next year. Um, so I don't think Pelosi likes to put things in in chance into chance like that. Um, so I'm just going to quote here from uh, Washington Post. I'm sorry, Los Angeles Times. Uh, As calls for Trump impeachment grow louder, Pelosi tries to focus on health care. Uh, so this was recently. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi tried again this week to shift focus away from a divisive debate over impeachment and move it to a, signi- a signature issue that Democrats credit with helping them win back a majority in that chamber. Health care. Pelosi's job going into 2020 is to maintain. Well, she has a few jobs. One of her biggest jobs is to maintain uh, House speakership. Right. That I mean, that's job number one. Maintain that. Uh, so in her mind, the way to maintain that is to keep talking about the issues that people are focused on. If we lose focus on that, if we don't talk about health care, all those vulnerable Democrats who just won in those more red-leaning states, they're going to lose their position. And then we're going to lose the uh, the advantage in the House, which isn't that high right now. So continuing on from the Los Angeles Times, the conflicting messages provide a preview of the ongoing struggle House leaders face as they try to contain talk of impeachment this summer. More than a quarter of Democrats in the House have publicly supported opening an impeachment inquiry, 14 of them from California. Uh, Pelosi's panel on Monday uh, was part of a Weekend of Action on health care. The renewed focus on key issues for Democrats is the latest sign that party leaders aren't willing to budge on impeachment until public support is clear. See, I think that right there is pretty much proves Pelosi's uh, strategy. She's not going to go into this fight without making sure all your T's are slashed, I's are dotted, you know, so hate her or love her. um, I hope that you could at least respect the fact that she's 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 playing this smartly even though you know the base we are we are frothing at the mouth you know like we're like impeach impeach now you know i i'm on twitter all the time and all i see is you know if she doesn't do this we're voting her out you know and i that to me says oh, okay you don't understand one the impeachment process and then two you're more you're, you're just being more reactionary than you are thinking about strategy in the future so it's time to start thinking more strategically and of the future and last but not least, something that uh, hits home harder than uh, harder than we think, um, I'm going to start talking about uh, the tariffs that Trump has been inflicting on us, essentially, the taxpayers. So, specifically with China, and then for a moment with Mexico, uh, he is attempting to make trade with china and the u.s a little bit more fair and i've always been very uh, fair about this with trump i've always said that i i agree that the united states certainly does get more of a shitty end of the stick when it comes to trading with china um especially when it comes to all those like technical um uh uh technology uh rights and uh and um patents patents that's the word i was looking for uh so china actually steals a lot of their um technology technological patents from the united states um and they're a separate essentially as separate you know they, they have their own version of uh iphone whatever thing that's hua or whatever apple whatever um and they they basically get away with a lot of shit right uh but you know on the other side we're also china's biggest buyers you know we we purchase a lot of shit from them in fact everything and not only that you know they're essentially our biggest loaners of money so you know they're they're you know china's and you know they're their own nation and they have the right to do this uh they they are they have certainly been making steps you know these past few decades to essentially outgrow the united states right um that's a whole other conversation but um Regardless of my opinion, if uh, you know if, if Trump is doing right or wrong, uh, it seems like he's not handling this whole situation with uh, the tariffs with, uh, with China. So I want to read this article. Um, this is uh, specifically about um, how strategic China is when they slap on, you know, tariffs on us, right? And I quote uh, from the Atlantic. Trump started the trade war by levying new taxes on $250 billion worth of Chinese exports. China retaliated both by increasing the duties Americans face and by decreasing the tariffs that confront everyone else. It has cut tariffs on thousands of products from the rest of the world's fisheries, farmers, and firms. Even as tariff man, as Trump likes to refer to himself, focuses only on disruption, Beijing is evidently operating on a higher level. China is outplaying the United States on two fronts. First, while Trump is on the verge of slapping tariffs on almost everything, uh, on almost everything the U.S. imports from China, Beijing is picking and choosing wisely. A little side note there. Uh, that's why they've gone after uh, soybean farmers in the United States. They they know that those farmers are a big part of Trump's base, and they're they're not only, you know, hurting our own farmers, but they're also hurting Trump in his poll number so anyways uh second i'm gonna keep quoting uh trump has no real mitigation strategy to help the americans facing the entirely foreseeable costs of his policies um in the in the future i mean year when you know this next year uh i think i read some sort of um quote i can't remember from where but it basically said Per year with these tariffs on China The impact on the American citizens Will be a yearly uh, Not a tax But it'll be a yearly extra cost On families of up to Like 700 to $1,000 Extra dollars just, just, just because of what you buy normally You know we're talking Electronics uh, Clothes um, Just goods, toys, all that shit So you know it's it's basically a tax it's it is a roundabout tax it's something you're not going to be paying for uh you know through an actual tax but you're going to be paying it through increased costs uh, of services and goods so um i believe trump and and president uh, of china can't remember his name chi something whatever anyways um they're supposed to be meeting up uh I believe in a couple months, sometime this summer, um, to kind of like hash out a potential deal. Um, Both sides have been making attempts showing that, you know, I think they are going to have this meeting. Mike Pence was supposed to deliver this like speech for human rights or something like that. I think he was supposed to go to actually like Hong Kong or something where um, they are definitely having all these protests right now. Um, And he, in his speech, there was definitely going to be some talk uh, that was kind of like anti China and whatnot. Um, But Trump pulled Pence from. Uh, Having that speech basically is like a sign of goodwill. Like, okay, we won't, you know, trash you. Pence isn't going to do this, and I think China came through with maybe a little little thing on there. And so it looks like they're going to meet, and uh, we'll see how that goes. But you know, I I believe China is definitely in a position where, well, one, they know um, they can probably outsmart Trump, and then two, you know, with this election year coming up, they probably also know that they can pull a lever to. Uh, either through more tariffs or whatever to, uh, you know, hurt him. So I, I think Trump in this situation seems to be the guy with more to lose than anything. And you know, we're just on, on the ride. We're just hanging on for dear lives. So cool. I actually hit the 30 minute mark. Ah, uh, this is perfect. Great. So I just wanted to catch us up on that. Um, I'm going to be hopefully doing some cool interviews with some people very soon. I know I talk about that all the time, but I'm actually putting my foot down. Um, I'm going to start looking into uh, YouTube as well. I'm going to start, hopefully, um, as I'm recording, also have film it filmed so people can watch live or ask questions live. And we can, um, you know, discuss things, you know, on the spot. I think that would be really cool, too. So um, a couple things coming up. There are the, uh, the first... Uh, Democratic debates. I don't know how much of a debate it's actually going to be. But anyways, um, so next week, I believe on the uh, 26th on Wednesday, um, it's going to be a mixed group. Um, The DNC did do their best in terms of kind of uh, breaking up the groups so that everyone had a fair shot. Um, But the big names, though, for next week on Wednesday, the 26th will definitely be Elizabeth Warren, I believe Beto and Pete. And then on Thursday, the following day, the 27th, um, that will have Biden and Bernie. So I'm off from work on Wednesday, so I'll hopefully be, you know, um, hopefully streaming live. That'll be really fun. Thursday, I think I work, so um, we'll see about that. Uh, But I cannot wait to do that. That's when I have my most fun, is when I can actually, like, live stream and kind of discuss things, like, on the second, so uh, okay, cool. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, please, uh, you know, follow me on Instagram, uh, Politics and Bullshit Pod on the IG. You can also follow me on Twitter if you want, uh, Politics and Bullshit. And then I'm also on iTunes. Um, that's Politics and BS because iTunes is just I don't know, they're the nanny, the nannies of all the podcast world. But on Spotify, I'm Politics and Bullshit, and I can you know have all that stuff spelled out and and not have it banned cool so uh once again thank you so much i hope you enjoyed this let me know if there's anything you change you hate you don't like whatever as always music is by mandalorian my boy spencer check him out on instagram uh, man underscore delorean and once again i'm david have a wonderful day thank you so much for listening